Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monterulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yo. Uh, so I was just listening to the end of our last episode, closing it out with uh, Fred Durst covering Prince's 1999. And uh, we're going to open this new episode talking about Fred Durst uh, at Lollapalooza because he was there and... Uh, Allegedly. He, he was, uh, yeah, yeah. Fred Durst is back, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, y'all. Um, and he was wearing, like, he's wearing this, it wasn't quite a, a members-only jacket, but it was, it was sort of like, had that look to it. It was like a, it was like a rayon, yeah. It, it was very much a members-only-esque uh, jacket that he buttoned just yeah. like at the top two buttons. And he had these gray slacks on. Like he looks like a com like a, a split between like a burnt out detective and your fucking <laughs> middle school math teacher. Yeah. And he had these red aviators on and this white wig. And I kept looking at it, like I could not decide if Fred Durst looked more like Owen Wilson or Bill Murray. Um <laughs> Or, you know, some combination of, like, the Beastie Boys from the Sabotage video. Right. Like, just, like, whatever. You know, do whatever. Um, and, yeah, so they were playing Lollapalooza, which took over the city uh, this weekend. Uh, 385,000 people came to uh, the COVID super spreader event, endorsed by the city's mayor, Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> where, it's, where the governor, Governor J.D. Pritzer, was supposed to attend... Uh, and changed his mind at the last minute because he didn't think it was safe and or politically uh, a good idea for him. Right. He, he just announced his reelection, whereas the mayor basically just said, I'm not running for office again. So fuck it. <laughs> uh, Lori Lightfoot, who came to the event, came to La Palooza and spoke to the crowd from the stage. Now, they estimate that 90 percent of the audience was, in fact, vaccinated, even though. You know, they had footage of people just like walking through the gate, kind of waving their vaccination card. And right. the guards are just like, yeah, yeah, come on, keep coming, keep coming. Like they're not checking them. Right. And how hard is it to photocopy somebody else's? You know, it's like there's plenty of right wingers who sell fucking fake vaccine cards on the Internet. You'd, yeah, You'd think it'd just be easier to go get the vaccine than make a fake. Right. But right. You would think. But they're yeah. But then you're magnetized. So, I mean, there's that. Well, right. Unfortunate yeah. Side effect. Who's got time to uh, get an actual vaccination when you're imagine being like it, it, even if you thought that, like, just imagine not wanting that fucking power. Like how cool it would be to be like a mini fucking Magneto where you could just. Well, I mean, any, anything to improve my 3G cell service that's apparently not going to be uh, viable after February. They, they texted <laughs> me and said, you have to get a new phone. Finally, you can't you can't <laughs> you can't have a <laughs> iPhone 5S anymore. We just we don't accept it. Um, so they, they also were accepting a uh, negative covid test result within the last 72 hours. And right. I have a hard time believing that 10% of 385,000 people all went to the doctor and got a negative COVID test result. So I, I feel like La Blues was sort of admitting that, you know, a good percentage, you know, less than 10%, but somewhere, I don't know, more than 5%. Like they're, they knew that that many people got in somehow and didn't have, you know, they, their bona fides basically. Um, Right. But, but still, like people were freaking out about it. And I was kind of just like, yeah, I mean, they're outdoors. There's a lot of people, but they are outdoors. So w we shall see. I See, to me, like the thing that makes me nuts is like I, for stuff like that. And, and I agree. And like I personally probably wouldn't want to be in that crowd because I, I would just get anxiety being around that many fucking people. Just in general, not even like even 
non-COVID times, it just does not seem like a super fun thing to be mad. Like I, when I was like 18, like, yeah, fuck yeah. Throw me in a pit with right. with a hundred thousand people now i'm just like that seems like the worst thing in the oh, world but it's disgusting yeah i mean you, <laughs> but, you see the um, cr- like they had a bunch of stages and there was lots of space to spread out it's all of grant park it's like many many square miles right. of space but you know when you have fucking fred durst there who who under the age of 24 doesn't love fred durst <laughs> Uh, right. so yeah, they were, they were packed in pretty tight. It was actually most like almost every night. I think every night Miley Cyrus played and yeah, yeah. She played uh, like, a couple times. They, every time you would just, you know, look up Lala or Lala Palooza on Twitter, it was mm-hmm. only pictures of Miley Cyrus. So <laughs> I don't know if that's what the kids are listening to these days, but, uh, they, yeah, they were packed in like shoulder to shoulder, a huge crowd, uh, thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be in a crowd like that because I get claustrophobic and it's like, I don't, you know, like, yeah. like John Waters famously said, I don't like strangers touching me unless I'm fucking them. <laughs> so, yeah, it, 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 we're going to see. But, you know, I rode down there Friday night on my bike just to kind of like bike around and right. they'd already like, or no, it was Thursday. They'd already kind of shut everything down. And it's, you know, I figured like the whole waterfront would be crawling with people. And it wasn't. It was mostly like really, really young kids. We're, we're talking 17, 18. Right. And they're all in like small groups, you know, kind of getting out, kind of wandering around downtown. And, you know, it wasn't like a bunch of, you know, people smashing shit. They weren't uh, taking Fred's ad- advice to break stuff. Um, <laughs> they were actually pretty well behaved looking kids. Um, but yeah, really young, uh, 99% white. Um, but they, it, you know, there was a little bit of shenanigans apparently because I saw this video of a couple of kids jumping off a bridge into the Chicago River, and you know, I was kind of like, ah, ha, that's you know, fun. We, you know, whatever. And then I started to read the comments on Twitter in response to it, and I started to realize just how many boomers are on Twitter that have nothing but contempt, just naked hatred for young people, no matter what they yeah, do, yeah. they're going to find something wrong with it. Right. And it kind of bled over just into all the hatred of Lollapalooza I was seeing too. Cause there was, there was some genuine COVID concern, but then it was just like anything that they could possibly kind of frame as not just being their hatred of, of the youth and people <laughs> having fun as being somehow, you know, really it's all about, well, the, the water in the river is dirty. That's a health hazard. They're going to spread bacteria. You know, it was just like, it, like, do, do you remember what it was like to be young and have fun? I mean, clearly right. you do because you're so bitter now that you 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 hate anyone that has a good time. And these kids jump like maybe 40 feet off a bridge. So like they're probably on a fucking swim team. Like they've done cliff diving or high diving before. Um, and people are like, well, there's boats to go through there. I was like, well, there wasn't then. <laughs> so so what? <laughs> Big fucking deal. And like the there was people watching them do this, cheering them, you know, just bystanders. It wasn't like right. a bunch of frat guys that were just like, yeah, it was just random people walking by. They're like, oh yeah, uh, they jumped and landed in the water and they're fine. I'm gonna go on with go on with the rest of my day now, you know. <laughs> and I just I don't understand that. Like uh, <clears throat> A couple kids jump off a bridge and suddenly it's like, oh, no, the, the fucking city's destroyed. There was, there was one person who was like, this, you know, after the festival's over, they have to replace all the grass. Like, oh, no, the grass. <laughs> what, whatever will we do? <laughs> what will the homeowners association think? <laughs> like, fuck. I mean, the big open area uh, of Grant Park where they do the, the big stages is pretty much fucking totally empty you know 99 percent of the year there's nothing right. going on there it's one big 
open area that people don't use because people don't like big open areas where there's nowhere to sit and nowhere to you know no shade or anything like that right they want they want a park can't bench do much there unless you're by a fountain you know, playing soccer right there's a there's a documentary by a guy back this heavy it's called the um the social life of small urban spaces and it's literally about why people congregate in little you know cubby holes and corners and why they stand in a doorway to have a conversation when you're like hey come on i'm trying to get through the door it's just where people see each other and where they stop and communicate is tiny places and big open air plazas like you know the or gi- right. giant open park nobody wants to fucking stand out in the middle of nowhere because we get picked off by a fucking pterodactyl or some shit. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was going to say, I almost wonder if it's like almost like this primordial, like instinctual it is. fear of not having your back to something, basically. Yeah. You know, like, the- yeah. Well, they filmed a bunch of people in like a plaza on their lunch breaks over the course of like a whole summer in New York City. It's back in the 70s. And they would they would like mark people right from this camera they had pointed down and like people that knew each other. If they passed each other in the big open area, they were like 95% uh, chance of just like saying hello and continuing without even stopping. But if they <laughs> ran into each other on like, you know, near a bench or at the crosswalk uh, or near the stairs or anywhere where they could they could actually linger, they were like 95% likely to stop and actually talk to each other. So it was really revealing about like the way that like psychologically people uh, feel about interacting in a big wide open space versus a place where they feel protected right that's interesting yeah no no for sure <laughs> i was just thinking of the scene in uh gross point blank where he, where he goes into the diner but he, and he or, or sorry, no he goes into the radio station she has him sit in the one seat and then he like immediately steals her seat so he doesn't have his back to the fucking window to the open yeah window no box. it's true i mean it that's I mean, that's it's, for different reasons but still you know i i feel like i always do that too because i just don't like having my back to like you know oh i broke up with somebody over that shit one time (laughs) (laughs) really yeah we went to a restaurant and i sat down on the side that was like you know facing it wasn't right up against a wall but it was like you could it was facing out more than the other direction and she just stood there and she's like i want that side and she wouldn't sit down and i was like tough shit she's like you always take the good side I'm like, okay, this is you're being crazy. And she just stood there and wouldn't sit down. And I'm like, this is the last time I'm going out with this person. <laughs> For real. For no, real. I believe you. I believe you. You know, sometimes it's the little things. Um, and and you know, just the last thing on Lollapalooza, like thing that I just think is like, I I you know, look, I don't want live events to stop happening again like i you know i feel for the the just the working people in that industry who are fucking like riggers and like like everyone needs to be able to like have their shit and if people are willing to like chris farley from fucking like wayne's world where he's just like i got no place else to go uh no but the but legit that's and you know look and if people are are willing to go and risk their their health and like the indoor big gatherings and fuck whatever but i I don't understand why we can't just have a, a a fucking thing that mandates that you have to wear masks at big gatherings like that like that to me is like that and that would be part of people's calculus it. you can't you can't what are you gonna like have no the, but the security it, guys certainly. dive into the crowd and grab every kid that's not wearing a mask in a crowd of a hundred thousand people and drag them out no no but i mean i i, I think that at least it would certainly improve the number of people wearing like you know at these things especially 
the fucking indoor things because it and and if they did like a real push to be like hey do you want to keep fucking having these things we love them you love them why don't you wear a fucking mask when we go to this big indoor you know stadium or indoor arena so we could keep fucking having these things like they want to sell beer they want to sell hot dogs that cost ten dollars you know like you know, gotta it's just people want to convert but it's sh- to me it's short-sighted because like you're not going to be able to keep having these fucking things if you just have these large indoor gatherings and nobody's wearing a mask because they're all fucking little mini super spreader events and it's like you're you're exponentially well increasing the they're rate. not going to go back they're not going to go back it doesn't no matter i don't think they are either it's, they're not going to go back because we have a vaccine and at this point if you haven't gotten it yet you're fucking stupid and yeah it is on right. you so the businesses and the government is basically just going to say, well, we got you a vaccine and it was free and they work. So it's kind of on you. <laughs> and I kind of right. have to agree with that at this point. Like if you're if you're you have a, you know, a, a government I, I largely, that largely but, doesn't yeah. give a fuck about anyone. And, you know, credit to fucking Trump. He got us a vaccine in record time <laughs> and it was free uh, and it works. So, um, you know. Right. Again, we're not really I, doing anything w- differently, but right. It's like, what else? Can, what, what else is we gonna? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Are we gonna keep doing fucking lockdowns forever? No, it's just not gonna no, happen. I mean, it, it would just be nice if the fucking idiots who were not, you know, with the program would get with the program, so we didn't have to keep worrying about these strains like just mutating so much and all these unvaccinated fucking people that it's gonna eventually completely evade the vaccine and then we're kind of almost at square one you know delta it's, it's, plus yeah got, i just saw delta that too. i was like are you fucking kidding me like really delta it, like it's it sounds like a like a healthcare plan that like doesn't do shit <laughs> that doesn't pay for anything so right they, they put the word plus on it to make right. you think better right yeah. like I, I i was you know telling you before i went on air i had my eye like an eye doctor's appointment today and i have very i mean you know pr- very decent vision insurance through my wife's plan and it still was like fucking two hundred dollars with insurance. Like it just health insurance is the biggest fucking scam I think ever created. Like I can't imagine insurance in general. I mean, I, you know, it's just the biggest scam ever created. But just it's it's unbelievable to me that we just sit here every day and don't you know burn fucking federal buildings down because it, it it's just it's a it's it's obscene that we have to pay fucking all of this money to to just keep our 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 fucking bodies from you know decaying and falling apart it's unbelievable but yeah well anyway speaking of decaying and falling apart uh, we should uh we should talk about everyone's favorite governor uh from my my home state of new york speaking of having nowhere else to go (laughs) that's why that meme is on Cuomo yesterday uh so yeah uh it was announced yesterday the new york state attorney general tisha james uh concluded her uh investigation of cuomo and found him uh guilty of of uh repeated sexual harassment and sexual assault uh during his time as governor uh surprising fucking nobody but uh it was you know it was big news and uh there was a, a big renewed push to uh impeach him you know there's a lot of people in the democratic party calling for him to step down even biden came out and said that he should resign, which, you know, the I'm entire glad. Democratic caucus said he needed to resign. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, governors of like pretty much every state in New England. Uh, yeah, yeah. They all made a joint yeah. statement. Uh, the Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Rhode Island governors all came out 
uh, and said that he all Democrats, by the way, uh, all right. came out and said he should resign. Um, Which, of and, course, he won't. I guarantee well, no, he won't. Of course. No, it's it's going to have to be like a phone call from Obama to get that guy to resign. I don't even know if the, I mean, fuck it, it. Biden's the closest thing. I mean, I don't know. Like, short of like, you know, physically removing him from the office, which it may come to if he ever gets charged with criminal charges. It's going to be the ending of Scarface is what it's right. going to be. It's going to be right. the governor's mansion under siege for the fucking state troopers. <laughs> well, like you said, he's with this fucking, this fucking grenade launcher. But he, hello to my little yeah, friend. And he's, but like you said, he's divorced. He's, he's miserable. He has no other homes or property. He's got, he literally has nowhere to go. So he'll cling to this to the bitter fucking end um he he you know because again he'll be living in a fucking double tree if if he gets removed from this office like he's got nothing nothing to speak of. i'm sure he has tons of money that he gained you know through his using his position of power but i mean outside of that he's got fucking nothing to fall back on um so it, it really is 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 going to be interesting to see how he he lashes out in the last you know, a couple of, uh, I think he's got a, another year or so as governor, at least, uh, until the next. Well, it might be longer than that, actually. I don't even know. Uh, if, if they haven't impeached him, which, of course, is that's the thing they don't want to do is drag this out. They want him to go away. Right. right? Well, that's, they're trying, and, I think they're giving him a chance to do the right thing, which, of course, he's never going to do. <laughs> no, he's never done the right thing. And he's he's convinced that, you know, the voters, the voters are the ones who will decide whether he stays in office, which means he's going to run again. Which, which is going to be so obsessed. fucking funny because he's, he's going to get obsessed with his father's 10%. legacy uh, and, and serving more time as governor than his father did. Um, we talked about this several months ago, and there was somebody, yeah. I think it was a former lieutenant governor uh, who is no longer the Lieutenant Governor had, you know, was quoted in an article basically saying, like, the reason why, like, there's nobody speaking out for him is because nobody likes him. <laughs> right. The former Democratic uh, Lieutenant Governor was saying that. And, and it's true because you and you see it. Um, and, and it's really stark because and, you know, I mentioned Biden, how he called for his resignation. And of course, the fucking irony is that Biden is guilty of the exact same things Andrew Cuomo is, if not worse. I mean, he's done. You know, even, you know, even worse, you know, uh, considering Tara Reid's story that she came forward with. That's even worse than what Cuomo has been accused of. So, I mean, just a thing that we've seen both those guys do on camera. Right. right. (laughs) Like, imagine what they do when there's no one else in the room. But you see the difference in response from the Democratic Party at large to Joe Biden versus Andrew Cuomo. And that's because Joe Biden, to them is a great fucking guy he's you know he's very personable to the democrats and he's very nice to them unless you happen to you know (laughs) believe in helping people and then he treats you like a fucking piece of shit but if you're if you're on board for the usual democratic you know gangbang of of corporate money he he's the nicest guy in the world to you and uh they're all they all got his back and andrew cuomo the second it's politically expedient goes right under the fucking bus with every single one of them. So it really just shows you how important it is uh, for, for Democrats to kiss each other's asses within that party, because they will throw you right under the bus. And that's, I think why we see a lot of that ass kissing uh, with, you know, people like the squad and shit like that. And I'm not excusing it. I still think it's fucking bullshit. And I think you should piss them off, but that's, I think that's probably why they do it because they think, well, if I don't do it, they'll they'll do the same shit to me. And I think it's pointless to. Well, know. that was the real reason that they wouldn't, you know, they weren't down with force the vote. And if they would have just said that and been like, look, 
we we got to, you know, bend the knee to Pelosi and any, you know, sign of disloyalty here is going to cost us in the future. If they would just say that, I'd be like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I can see how that that, you know, you're right. reading the room. I, I would still say you're a craven piece of shit and I don't support you because that's right. not what you know. But but I, I, would, I, would admi- I would admire the honest, you know, I would appreciate the honesty but that's, but that's why people are like oh force she's already the speaker that why you still hung up on force the vote it's like because they literally are using the argument uh you know for everything else they're doing now that we use on force the vote that they said was you know literally violence um right and so so this is this is coming off the heels of uh cory bush and aoc camping out in front of the capitol uh camping out on the steps where because the uh, Supreme Court ruled that, uh, you know, the CDC well, or Biden right. can't uh, extend the eviction moratorium, Congress is like, oh, shit, we, we should probably do something about that. And then they didn't. <laughs> then they didn't. Right. Um, they didn't even um, like plan for the possibility that they'd have to do something. Right. Right. So, so go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, before we get, I do want to talk about the evictions and, and the squad's uh, role in that. But I just really, really quickly wrap up uh, Cuomo. I just want to read really quick in his blanket, uh, walking back and forth on his cell phone, <laughs> right with his mother. Um, I want to I want to briefly read from this NBC News article, which is <clears throat> some. It, they pulled out some details, some highlights or lowlights, I guess, if you will, from the uh, report from the Attorney General, who, by the way, Letitia James is not a leftist. She's not a socialist. She's not even particularly progressive. Um, she was the one who was uh, basically told to run to stop Zephyr teach out from winning that job uh, when she was going to run away with it back, you know, during the, the, I think it was 2018 when Cuomo uh, and Nixon uh, ran against each other. Um, And so she's, you know, again, pretty loyal to the democratic party. So again, so like, he's just such a piece of shit that he doesn't ingratiate himself to anybody in the party that even the standard bearer, you know, loyalists for the Democrats are willing to, to, tell it like it is when it comes to him but so this is the, the these are the uh details of the allegations against him some of the allegations do we have um, to read all of them <laughs> no i'll read some of them um yeah, i don't want to feel like i have to take a shower midway through the right episode. right the, but there's one that's not well not funny but i'll i'll get to it uh interesting uh cuomo engaged in a quote pattern of inappropriate conduct with a woman dubbed executive assistant one uh, which included kissing her lips at least once, grabbing her buttocks during hugs, asking multiple times about whether she had cheated or would cheat on her husband, and once reached under her blouse and grabbed her breast. Um, th- this is the, this. These other two details are the fascinating ones. The governor sexually harassed a New York State trooper assigned to his security detail on a number of occasions. Como ran his hand across her stomach from uh, her belly button to her right hip as she held the door open. Uh, while the trooper was staying in front of him at an elevator, Cuomo ran his finger down her back from the top of her neck, down uh, her spine to the middle of her back, saying, hey, you. Uh, in another instance, the governor was accused of kissing her and only her on the cheek in front of another trooper and asking to kiss her on another occasion, which she deflected. Other troopers corroborated her accounts. And there's more, but I, that that's just, that one is just so bizarre I, I to the me. The state trooper. The, he, he kissed her and no one else in the room. Is like, well... <laughs> I guess I gotta I gotta fucking sexually harass every broad in here to make it make it okay with you. 
I, I mean, a, that's the weird thing. Like, like as as if somehow like a state trooper would. Ju- he, it, also, the weirdness of it is his his moves are all like what like a fifteen year old thinks is like how you flirt with women. Like it, it's just no like no man who has ever like been in an intimate relationship with a woman would 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 like use those moves on somebody that they weren't, you know, it, it, at least familiar with or in some kind of a relationship. Like it's such a bizarre like. I just don't get it. Like, it's not even like the typical sexual harassment you hear out of like gross, you know, corporate bosses or some shit. It's just like very weird. Like he doesn't know how to like behave around humans kind of shit. I mean, how many, how many state governors do you know of are divorced? I, I, I can't think of it. It's They're, unheard they, of. They like, always have a wife, holding, even if they hate each other just to be like, Oh, you know a guarantee they hate the bill and hillary you know it's the bill and hillary they go they go to like their separate sex cult parties you know eyes wide shut right they don't go together um (laughs) where they sacrifice virgins epstein anyways right Right. (laughs) uh yeah so he just he's just gross and it's gonna be fun to watch all the people that were all all about hashtag hottie avenatti watching that implode and you know hashtag (laughs) homosexual Oh man, yeah, that just, guy! Just that guy took these... that video down. I heard <laughs> that Randy Rainbow guy who made that. Remember that music video? That awful fucking music video. The homosexual video. I don't. I don't remember that. Oh my god, it's awful. It's can you awful. find it and play it, or is it like uh, a I'll, visual thing? Uh, I, I think he took it down. I'll see if I can find it. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah. So actually, uh, I, I did find the the Cuomo clip. So I'm just gonna play a little. Wow, that was really fast. How'd you do that? I know. Really I know. I know. I don't That's know. A... I just the magic wow. of the internet. The um, magic of the internet. That was literally just five <laughs> seconds ago that I mentioned that I, I, I that clip. So, um, right. So uh, I'm just gonna play a little bit of it. I won't subject uh, ourselves and and our audience to too much of it. But this is from uh, this this YouTube video guy called Randy Rainbow, who is as insufferable as he sounds. Um, and this this is back at the beginning of the covid um uh, w- w- like you know the the whole like oh my god andrew cuomo's doing such a good job with covid and he had the fucking close encounters you know mountain at a at a mashed potatoes display and the whole the whole nine yards uh this is a, this yeah, is a he song was, he was hawking uh prison hand sanitizer oh, the, oh god yeah the, yep. the prison hooch hand sanitizer that he was trying to <laughs> Which, by the way, we were a healthcare provider in New York and couldn't find any information about how to get it. So I don't think anyone actually got that fucking fake shit. But well, it, if, you, again, if you know there's something that, that Democratic voters love, it's prison labor. Right? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So all right, so here's here's the audio from this this song. This is a pandemic. <clears throat> I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. All you had to do is look at other countries. Stranded in my bedroom. No one to love. <gasps> then there he is. Uh, let's give you an update as to where we are today. My favorite Saying, I, 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 you 
so <laughs> wow. and, and the, it makes it worse because he took the best song from fucking Greece and and turned it into that abomination of a hagiography of one of the biggest pieces of shit in in political history. We didn't uh, even get to hear the word homosexual <laughs> in the lyrics. I don't think I heard it in there anywhere. I think I actually think that was a different song, but I do think he took that song down. <laughs> he took that one down. This is the only one I found. <sighs> um, but. Yeah, so that 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 that's that's the kind of fucking slathering praise that was being heaped on uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. So it is actually, I I do take some some satisfaction in the fact that people now see that uh, he was always a piece of shit and that he was, uh, you know, he did maybe the worst job of any of the governors, uh, considering his response to COVID was to jam a bunch of fucking covid positive people into nursing homes so they can infect and kill the most vulnerable people uh you know when it came to covid so it, he he he's finally kind of getting his comeuppance but again i just i don't know how it's going to play out with him uh i don't think he's going to resign you're going to have to drag him physically by his heels out of that that mansion to get him to leave did you see uh, a times up statement about cuomo this was this oh the- god yeah the fucking you know me too corporate uh wing who uh was basically created to protect guys like jeffrey epstein and bill clinton and joe biden and andrew cuomo and right. they were their president was part of his pr team trying to figure out how to uh save his ass when these allegations first came out um so they put out a state or just a tweet here yesterday saying we acknowledge and deeply respect the courage and sacrifice of the 11 women that we try to slander uh, who right. came forward to share their experiences of harassment and the retaliation they endured working with and for Cuomo. You're the one that fucking retaliated against him, you motherfuckers. They, they literally were the were the firm that recommended that Cuomo release Lindsey Boylan's uh, personnel records, which are sealed and it's legal to release those. Um, like for like you know other employee complaints during her time working in his administration, because she was the the first one I believe to come forward and put her name to allegations of sexual harassment at the hands of Andrew Cuomo when she worked for him. Um, yeah, Anita Dunn and SDK Knickerbocker and Me Too are in uh, Times Up. Excuse me, were the ones who came for were the ones who advised uh, uh, Cuomo to come forward with those and to completely slander her and smear her character and anita dunn by the way for people that don't remember that fucking name who uh it it runs skd skd knickerbocker which is like the parent company of time's up is a senior advisor to joe biden and also fucking advised him on how he should handle his sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations so so just 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 to to kind of frame all this look this is like this is all one big happy corporate family and right. you got to be just lower than fucking low to fall out of favor with <laughs> right this bad right 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 it's just it's just you know but again this is again his it, his hubris is his undoing because right. and these he's are the, such a prick. These are the people that AOC and and Cory Bush have to bend the knee to <clears throat> if they want to have any fucking leverage so I want to get back into that a little bit here um so yeah i i think you know doing their their protest on the capitol steps um you know actually having an occupation <laughs> an actual you know a protest that doesn't go away at the end of the day that stays there and stays there and stays there is like the one thing that will actually get attention for these kind of things you know um right 
So and they, and they did a good. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, to their credit, but this is again like this is the kind of hardball that we wanted from them that we demanded from them on force the vote that they were like, man, you know, we can't really, no, can't do that. Can't do that. When we know that it only would have taken three votes, three votes to block Pelosi's confirmation as speaker. Indefinitely forever. She, she could, they, they literally could have just said, we're not going to vote for her period and just find somebody else or give us a vote on Medicare for all. But, but I honestly, like I, like I said at the time, I was like, I, would rather them even just say it's a non-starter to put her as the speaker again because she's been so uh abysmal uh pick somebody else and we'll consider voting for them but right, um, right. and then you have people like jen gucker say well but then the republicans will be able to nominate their own speaker right no, which is no, not true can't. no they can't because they don't have the majority don't it's, have it's literally procedurally impossible. Um, don't, but don't understand how any of this shit works. You fucking bloated head. Right. And he does. Well, he was just lying to his audience because he knew it was easy way to, to cover for them. Right, but right. Well, um, I, love, I love that fucking clip where he, he starts talking about he was like talking about some other issue. And he <laughs> right. started to say the words force the vote. And he like called and, himself. And what we need to do is to for to coerce them to <laughs> it was so fucking funny oh man that was uh, so great um he's such a piece of shit and then um, so that was that was like literally aoc said well we need to get you know biden to do this and even if it gets tossed out in court it'll buy us time to to get right. a bill passed so like so wait you you support doing something even though you know that it's not going to work long term because it was the moral thing to do and because there was a, a strategy outside of actually, you know, having it last. Yeah, like, where she learned that from? Forcing the vote on <laughs> Medicare for all when you don't have the votes because right. it will reveal who which co-sponsors actually supported or not. Yeah, exactly. But, so now now on Biden's end, Biden deserves zero credit for doing anything here. Because, and I'll explain why. Uh, number one, this is not something that just came up on them suddenly. And they, he, despite Nancy Pelosi's fucking lies about, oh, well, we just realized she literally said the other day that they realized like a day before that the eviction moratorium was coming up, which is fucking complete horse shit. They to, knew to, all to along to that. I want to speak to that real quick. I just yeah. because that was like the, the, <clears throat> the most dishonest fucking tweet I've ever seen from her that the, they didn't know this was coming. That they, right. you know, like, oh, it slipped my mind that 11 million people are about to be fucking homeless. Right. Here's what didn't slip her mind. Here's what the Democratic majority in Congress didn't forget to do before their summer vacation. Uh, passing additional police funding, passing additional capital security funding, passing additional military funding, passing additional money for Israel, weapons sales, insider stock trading, drilling permits, airstrikes on Syria, Somalia, Iraq, and Afghanistan, fast-tracking deportations, new sanctions on Cuba, and adding a BlackRock executive to the administration. So well, all just like, what do we need to get done before we get out of here? Oh, right. Oh, shit. What was there was one more thing. Oh, 11 million people going homeless. Oh, well, I, there, there, there was one other thing that that uh, that happened, you know, slightly before. And this might have been, you know, the cause for Nancy's amnesia on this uh, House Democrats uh, got a one million dollar check from the chairman of a massive apartment company weeks before they failed to extend the federal eviction moratorium. So I, I, uh, I kind I of mean, you split a million dollars between four hundred and thirty five people. It's not a lot of money, really. So <laughs> I kind of. Right. And of course, you know, it's just it's just this is what they do. And and but and by the way, so, you know, Biden knew about this and he knew that he could with a stroke of a pen with an executive order, 
citing the pandemic, extend the eviction moratorium. And he claimed up and down that he could not do that, that it would take an act of Congress. And what does he do two days later after thousands of people presumably have been evicted? They certainly were prepared, the people that fucking were handling these things to, to you know, send their fucking uh, Pinkertons in to, to, you know, kick people out of their homes at fucking gunpoint. Um so who knows how many people were evicted in the meantime? So they got the, they got their had to, got to have their cake and eat it too because they got to evict you know uh, an an un, unknown at this time thousand you know thousands of yeah, people. I mean I don't know hundreds, how who knows how I mean true that is though because you still have to file the motion in court for a hearing. In in forty eight states, you cannot evict somebody without a court order. Now, landlords still will try to intimidate people. That's what I mean. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if if land and we've heard stories of landlords hiring private security companies to go in and to, it's completely illegal. Police, yeah, there completely was completely illegal, but Chicago, they do it all the time. They had some off-duty cops who showed up pretending to be on-duty cops, uh, which and to try to intimidate this guy into moving out when they the landlord did not have an uh, an eviction warrant. So, yeah, all kinds of shady stuff landlords will pull. But, you know, to, to legally evict someone, you have to go to a court. You have to, you know, file the paperwork and filing fee for a hearing, you know, an eviction hearing where the person involved, ha- you know, has to have a right to show up in court, right. uh, present evidence and all that. I mean, usually if you owe a shitload of money, you won't fight it. You'll just try to, you know find somewhere else to live or you might show up and and try to you know say hey judge look you know i've been out of work uh, you know you know all this money but i'm trying to you know do whatever and then the judge might say okay well i'm not going to issue a, a, a warrant for eviction your landlord is just going to have to work something out you know like they there's usually a process basically <laughs> so right right but but again I, like i think there are certainly people who were evicted in those two days that that you know through you know illegal methods or not you know we're 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 kicked out of those houses um and the other thing that's uh, fucking just typical democrats is uh of course like everything else this eviction moratorium is means tested uh it's not universal it's uh the by the letter of the law it was saying like uh in uh areas most impacted by covid uh we we would be halting evictions and there was estimates that it would uh cover up to 90% of of people rent of renters uh th- this eviction moratorium so cities so. basically but that's like half the country so i don't know how they're defining that and the thing is you know how are they sending emails out to county judges saying well like, that's hey. it's so flexible that i imagine if you're in a shitty you know uh municipality that has a judge that's willing to you know uh kick people out of their houses it, it, because he's friends with the real estate developers uh or just is the say, real estate developer or is the real estate <laughs> literally right. like there's nothing stopping judges from owning companies right um where when i was growing up uh very famously there was a a judge in the small town who owned the company that ran the jail Oh, that's that's that doesn't seem <laughs> no at all conflict, like a conflict of, interest of interest there. <laughs> yeah, the county jail was like run by, yeah. So just like like no, yeah. So that's that's what I'm I'm concerned with is you know up to now I haven't heard of any stories of that like that, but like there's nothing physically stopping a judge from issuing warrants of eviction. Right. So I mean, and, but and and on top of that, yeah, he leaves this wiggle room where you can say, well, you know, our our numbers are actually below 
there's no specific specific set guidelines of like you cannot evict because again he could have just signed an order saying it's universal but like you said he's got people from blackrock literally on his team of economic advisors and blackrock right now is buying every fucking property they can because they want to make the entire fucking country just a fucking sea of rental properties uh so that they can forever control the market and it's just it's just fucking obscene and again he deserves no credit for doing what he should have done months ago you know by just saying you know eviction moratorium extended indefinitely until we are done with the covid pandemic but no he fucking just, means just thinking about it. that like i i don't ever want to own a house because i don't want to be tied down to any one place forever sure right but also just like the the cost of you know all the ma- like anything breaks you got to pay that out of pocket where you know at least in theory if you're renting landlord has to fix it now which course, they may or may not do for the, for the you know right a year but and it, a half but like but... They'll, they'll always want to fix it at the, like the lowest cost possible right so you might have a whole neighborhood of like historic homes that just over time their quality you know is going to go down and go down right. and go down like you know you ever see like the pictures of an apartment after it's been painted a hundred times right like they every, paint every, over the electrical outlets right like just you know like the cupboards don't close anymore because they have so many fucking layers of lead paint on them you know and like the right. like the like the the knob handle on the cupboard is like you can barely tell what shape it used to be because it's covered so much <laughs> won't, just, won't turn anymore right, right right like i you when you see an old building it looks you know great on the outside and on the inside you're like oh man this is <laughs> it's just like slowly falling apart by being repaired by the by the cheapest bidder right or by the landlord themselves. It's the landlord special. The just white paint. Hey, you told everything. me to get a fucking job, so I got a fucking job. I put a fucking paint this thing myself. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. So just just yeah, the, uh, the reactions to what I would say is a win, even though it's a half measure. Um, I'll give credit where credit's due. You know, good good job AOC. Good job Corey Bush. Uh, didn't expect you to move Biden left, but here we are. It happened finally. Um, but just seeing the reactions of fucking landlords on Twitter to this is hilarious to me because it's it's just you know like well I'm a small le- time you know small landlord <laughs> who's you know just trying to struggle by with my 15 properties I'm not some big corporate you know like, like literally right. if you own another person's house you are wealthy okay right. if you right. own you know if you even own a house you're doing okay let alone someone else's house on top of it. It's right. paying all of your expenses for your house. So this this was just the you know the headline. Uh, Rip Corey Bush, who has been protesting and sleeping outside the U.S. Capitol building, has slept for five days in protest of the expiration of the eviction moratorium. And AOC celebrate news that the White House intends to uh, intends to extend the eviction moratorium. And Guy replies, uh, his his handle is Jerbear nineteen seventy three. And he says, on what authority does King Joe get to do this? <laughs> and it's like, pretty, pretty sure he's the president. And somebody, somebody, somebody replies, imagine being upset that millions of people aren't going to be homeless. You <laughs> just, just can't put it better than that. Like, uh, like right. this is, I, I don't know how you can be so loathsome of your, your fellow American as to want them to have to pack up all their stuff, throw it out on the curb, and go find uh, you know a right. highway it's, overpass to go camp under. It's it's the most inhumane thing 
imaginable and we do it to millions of people in this country and there's literally no reason to there's six house six uh vacant houses for six vacant homes for every homeless person in this country and, and oh but those just... are in the suburbs and homeless people don't want to live in the suburbs anthony <laughs> i always i always hear that you know and it's hilarious too because this is every time i hear somebody talk about the homeless problem they're not talking about the problem of people not having homes. They're talking about the fact that they had to see a homeless person or step over some trash on the My sidewalk. My problem with the homeless or, is really how they should know, phrase it. Like, oh, I, I was aggressively panhandled by somebody. Oh, a, a drunk guy bumped into me and, and he, he was homeless. So I, so we, we have a clip from our, our favorite uh, home of progressive news anchor, Anna Kasparian here, uh, right. where, where she really, really shows who she is. And what she thinks about people who are less fortunate than her here. Yeah. So I apologize ahead of time for for, for the sound of Anna's voice. But this is this is the clip uh, that you referred to. I do think that there are progressive progressives. I don't know if it's progressive policy, but progressives in places like California who have made terrible decisions. And so one of those terrible decisions is essentially uh, doing away with anti camping laws, right? Allowing people to camp out wherever they want, whenever they want. And if like we have a homeless problem in California, we have it all throughout the country, but it's particularly bad in California. And so the argument is, well, if there isn't public housing available for people, they should be allowed to camp out. Okay, but there's also a problem right now where there is public housing available and individuals will say, no, I don't want to take it. I don't want to follow the rules in the public housing. And so as a result, I would rather camp out. Progressive lawmakers are like, we should allow them to camp out. And you know what happens? Crime happens. Open air drug markets happen, and it's the truth. These are the facts of the matter. In fact, it was addressed in this Daily Beast article, and honestly, it was cathartic to read it because everyone denies that this is happening. So none of what you said is true. Um, I mean, that that might as well have been Meghan McCain. Right, right. There. right. It, there, there's uh, no discernible difference. Um, maybe, maybe Anna's gunning for uh, Megan McCain's slot. <laughs> she's on the view. for that view slot. She's, she's got. I got to. I got to make a hard right turn if I want to get on that show. So homeless people. It's not that they have nowhere else to go, and they're just trying to find the 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 biggest you know public area for them for, to live on, so that they have some you know semblance of of stability. They just they just like to camp whenever and wherever they want. It's like you know, it's like when you go camping, and you that's that's all it is. It's not that that's their fucking home and they literally have nothing Just, like it, it, did somebody move into like her fucking back porch and that's why she's pissed <laughs> off like what clearly there's she's had some kind of personal encounter with the homeless that she's this fucking fired up about it you know right. this, is, this is not abstract to her and then she pulls together a bunch of bullshit like oh well there's t- plenty of public housing available but the, they just don't want to follow the rules guess what no there's not now, no, not. It, it's true there's people who don't want to be in public housing because they don't want to follow those rules, but it's not so many people that they have vacancies in public housing. No. When I, I, I moved to, uh, well, I won't, tell, I won't say where it was, but I, I moved to a city and I was sort of prospectively looking for, uh, for housing. And there was uh, very few new mm-hmm. apartments being built at the time. And uh, I, I found one brand new building. And it wasn't it wasn't public housing, but it was like, I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was like the rent. It was rental assistance. You know, I don't know if it was Section 8, but there was whatever. And I called them and they said, uh, yeah, we're, we're totally full. 
Um, but we do have a waiting list. And I was like, oh, well, like, can I get on the waiting list? They're like, then it's 200 people long. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> so the, the notion that, you know, the streets of L.A. are just festooned with people who could be living the high life in a, you know, public housing or rental assistance housing is a fucking fantasy. The people who are camping where they're camping are camping there because they've been kicked out of everywhere else. And they found one little corner where they're not being harassed as often by, you know, other cops homeless with people assault or cops rifles or assault right. rifles. Yeah, this picture out of Venice Beach yesterday or video out of Venice Beach with there's a cop who's holding pointing a pistol at homeless people with their hands up coming out of a tent. And then there's Venice a, Beach, which another is a public cop. fucking beach. Right. Uh, and another cop with a fucking long rifle who's just barely not pointing it at them yet, but he's got it like halfway pulled up. It's, 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 yeah, it's in, it's in ready position. It's the fucking, it's the, it's the homeless camp bulldozing scene from they live, you know, and people are just walking by like, this is just normal. This is just, you know, cops with guns drawn on homeless people for the crime of trying to survive outdoors. Right. Right. No, it's, it's <sighs> atrocious. But people like Anna and I'm sure that is totally not at all related to the fact that uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, the billionaire uh, DreamWorks founder who gave TYT 20 million dollars, uh, was just a couple of weeks ago lobbying the L.A. City Council to enact anti-camping legislation, which they subsequently did the day after they had a meeting with him. I'm sure that's totally unrelated and that they're not at all taking their marching orders from Jeffrey Katzenberg and the Democratic uh, Party elites. I'm sure that's like just totally a coincidence. I mean, she seems personally upset, so I'm sure she's she got did. an axe to grind on that level. Right. But, but I mean, very you know. good at, at, at making whatever the, you know, the marching orders of the day are into her personal philosophy. Right, right, right. And and, and it just proves that they're, that, you know, the TYT in general is just completely a fucking op at this point. And they have no interest in ever actually advancing the goals that they claim to want to advance. They just want to uh, stifle actual grassroots momentum to to put pressure on the politicians that they, uh, that, you know, that are their faves, that, that they think are the ones that are going to fucking you know, take everything over and fix it, which they know it's yeah. not going to fucking happen. Um, I was just pulling this up here. I saw, a, um, well, I, I saw it on the internet, not in real life, but it was a picture on the internet of a flyer in real life, a uh, little graphic of a, of a tent and uh, some uh, personal belongings. And the caption on the flyer says, I'm going to camp where I need to, when I need to, and no government is going to tell me otherwise until all of us are housed. So I, I like that nice, as, a, as a, nice. a statement of uh, of political rebellion. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So All right. Fuck well, you, Anna. So fuck yeah, you. Fuck you, Anna. <laughs> fuck you, L.A. City Council. Fuck you, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Uh, you're all pieces of shit who don't think that uh, human beings deserve basic rights and dignity. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, a couple quick things we wanted to touch on quick before we get out of here. The. Uh, the the Kamala acceptance tour uh, continues. <laughs> the, you know the beatings will continue until morale improves. Oh they're gonna make. They're gonna you, make. You they're gonna like make. Her. You will fucking like her, or we will kill every single one of you. And what better place to push that message than uh, Vietnam? <laughs> because uh, you will stop. You know you will not be communist, or we will kill every single communist. <laughs> like basically uh, was our message back in uh the 60s and now uh kamala is the first i believe the first vice president to visit vietnam since the vietnam war um 
and she's going there as you know representative of the Biden administration and she's going there with the with the PR tour uh message of America is back which I'm sure the Vietnamese will love to fucking hear <laughs> that America yeah, is like back. oh yeah how'd that go for you last time <laughs> right all right around two motherfuckers it's right like, like i can do this all day <laughs> right is, 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 i didn't hear no bell <laughs> yeah well i was actually um, quoting a uh, captain america when I no was, i know i got you i got you. um but yeah no i tweeted this out like because it's like i have some some <clears throat> uh bit here from i think it's i don't know if it's a hill or politico but like talking about like just how bad she's doing uh in terms of public perception so like they literally they're gonna trot her out purely to try to make her look good in the eyes of america like like they're literally conducting for they're admitting they're conducting like foreign policy pr stuff just to give her something to do like so and honestly i i tweeted this out today i was like see seeing kamala's america's back to her announcement reminded me of the crown season one where they trot out queen liz to remind the colonies they're still the property of the Commonwealth, <laughs> right. which like they literally like they, they did. They just they had the queen go around to all the colonies in Africa to say, like, now, now we're still you're still part of the Commonwealth. Don't go <laughs> trying to uh, wage a war of liberation and become your own right. country. Like right. that, that was like a like a huge thing in like the 40s and the 50s and 60s of their 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 colonies wanting independence and saying fuck this so like they would just have her go drive around and wave to people to remind them how wonderful it is um but yeah just how bad kamala's doing it this is this is hilarious to me uh so the title here future president (laughs) question mark (laughs) lol kamala harris now underwater as sinking popularity alarms democrats uh so the the subtitle here vice president to be sent abroad to raise her profile <laughs> like just just admitting this is all for show uh kamala harris has been the most unpopular u.s vice president six months into an administration since at least the 1970s according to polls <laughs> <laughs> who, who could have predicted besides everyone who paid attention to the primary right uh the white house intends to deploy her only in certain areas to campaign ahead of next year's midterm congressional elections and will attempt to raise her profile by sitting here on foreign trips in the coming months so admitting that like she's might hurt the chances of people running in the midterms if she I, goes I to know campaign where for what areas she is po- like what areas they believe that she would be a, a, a net positive to, to a candidate running because i can't right. think of fucking one but like if, if you she, put her if you put her next to somebody who's really popular like it might not ding them too much so they gotta right. be careful what do you ever go to california where she was polling at sixth in, in her fucking home state oh she in raised the so much money there polls. though so ahead of the midterm elections it is expected she will not be sent to campaign in the key border state of arizona <laughs> on friday night as part oh, gee, of its why? yeah on friday night is part of its plan to boost uh miss harris's standing isn't she a mrs isn't she yeah, married she should, that's yeah. weird it should say Mrs. I, I, I don't know where her husband's last name is Harris. I think she that's I, it, there's a naming convention where if you don't go by your husband's last name, they still technically will call you Miss. I believe I believe I could be wrong uh, about that, but I, you're probably right on that. Yeah. Uh, but the White House announced she would become the first U.S. vice president to visit Vietnam next month in a move aimed at raising pressure on China. <laughs> Again, like, <laughs> do, do they think that? Do they not understand China's like ideology of like a long term centrally planned government? They think like, oh, like they just it's like a run. Like they just watch us real, you know, 
elect somebody new every two to four years and they're like you can get so much more shit done if you just have one person in <laughs> right. charge all the time <laughs> you know so you know it's something to be admired for that um professor larry sabato director of the university of virginia center for politics said quote outside of california nobody knew who the hell she was <laughs> if, she, if you know nothing about somebody it's hard to have high favorables well, I think they we did know who she was and we didn't like her. Uh, he said that the assumption that Ms. Harris would become the Democrat nominee after Biden, uh, either in 2024 or 2028, was a mistake. Of the 48 percent in the uh, uh, sorry, of the 48 percent in the Economist YouGov poll who viewed the vice president unfavorably, the vast majority, 40 percent, said they did so very unfavorably. Uh, Ms. Harris has alienated some Hispanic voters by telling people from Central America, do not come to the U.S. <laughs> so. Can't imagine why you wouldn't want her campaigning for you if you're running as a Democrat. Like, the, I think outside of, like, if unless you're running for, like, the congressional seat in Martha's Vineyard, I can't imagine anywhere that her coming would be a net positive. Uh or if there's like a convention of like maniacs who scream at their phones in their cars, like that might be the only other place where she might uh, pull pretty favorably. But other than that, uh, yeah, she's, 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 you know, like her mentor, Hillary is just politically toxic, um, which is why they just send her overseas. Cause the people over there just don't really have the nuanced understanding of American politics. Like we do, you know, right. being subjected well, in, to it all the time. In, what does every Democrat running for the presidency do? They pick a VP to fix whatever, you know, PR problem they have personally. Biden picked Kamala because he, he was a fucking racist who had his own allegations of sexual assault. Right. So right. pick a black lady. Right. Then that deflects all that. Well, it turns out he picked like the worst one he possibly could have right, right? picked the black lady that black people don't like because she was a fucking cop her whole career right right so you know like that was a move done to appease white suburban voters who thought right. hey well, racially i'm pretty cool now because i'm voting for a black lady well, forgetting that, forgetting the fact that she dropped out three months to the day before the iowa caucus because she was so unpopular in her home state and couldn't raise any money there Right. So he never, and that's the funny thing, and that that people don't realize. People are like, oh, well, he picked Kamala to to uh, appeal to black voters. They, I don't even think Biden thought that because Biden never really had a problem with black voters. He had a lot of built-in no. um, yeah, goodwill he, from he, being Obama's <laughs> VP. He had Obama on his resume. So uh, that was, uh, that like you said, the, he that was all the Clyburn voters needed. Right. I, I think they understood fully that black people didn't trust Kamala Harris because she was a fucking cop. And like you said, he she her her biggest appeal is among white liberal uh, upper middle class suburbanites like that's her. That's her fucking key exactly. demo. The, the people that don't know anyone who's ever been to jail. Is <laughs> right. Right. The people who, who rant and rave about homeless people in tents is like the 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 Kamala, you know, exactly ideal demographic. But um, yeah, so that was just funny that she's just. Uh, you know uh, numbers to back up the the thing we say all the time about how wildly unpopular she is um so and but i love that they have to shoehorn china into that somehow like they just can't not you know make a, a foreign trip about you know finger wagging china uh <laughs> right and, and i wanted to mention a couple of things because like america's not doing good at the olympics I, I hate to inform you guys but um 
This has been a, a big coping moment for the CIA, and you see it <laughs> in the headlines of the Washington Post and the New York Times and elsewhere. And um, so I have one headline here. This is just you know, going to be a shock to your system, so get ready. Uh, Team USA gets no medals to open Summer Olympics for the first time in decades. <laughs> so, wow. Like, dun, we, dun, dun. we weren't the best at something on one day. So, like, stolen valor. <laughs> right. um, so, this this take is from the Washington Post. Came out shortly after. Uh, Olympic medals no longer show off nation's cultural power. And that's good. Like, uh, really? So, as soon as you don't win, it's like, well, winning doesn't matter. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> well, I didn't want to win anyway. So, this whole thing is all about the fucking, you know, how great your nation is and you know it. And now you're trying to pretend like it doesn't matter. Like, I don't even want to play. Your controller is broken. Stupid. I hate <laughs> right, this game. Right. It's, it's like that level of fucking childish. Right, right. And, um, so, so this yeah. one, this is, this is my favorite one. Um, well, wait, let me get this, this guy's tweet here. Uh, this guy's name is uh, Tom Joseph. He's got some radio show in Chicago. And this is like, I thought this was fake at first. He writes, if Putin is willing to attack our diplomats with portable microwave devices that cause the Havana syndrome, <laughs> we shouldn't assume that our elite athletes in the, totally fake, the Olympics the would be off limits to him. It's something we should at least take any precautions on. We'll discuss further on tonight's podcast. So literally <laughs> say like, well, the only reason that American athletes aren't doing better is because uh, of Putin's magic microwave gun <laughs> hobbling them. <laughs> Which is just insane. Which, by the way, every scientist uh, who's ever actually studied the Havana syndrome is like, no, no, it's just like crickets. Like, there's like crickets. Like, it, it, it's it's fucking fake. There's no technology that exists that could do what you claim it does. Right, um, and, and we know just, because the Pentagon has tried for years to make a microwave. Right, of gun. course, of course. It, it, like literally, they they had this like microwave heat ray gun. I remember this. It was on like sixty minutes years ago, and they figured out that like you could just deflect it with a piece of cardboard. <laughs> right. So it, it was right. just like they spent billions of dollars to be defeated by by like a, a piece of corrugated wood. <laughs> right. right. Somehow or to believe that they 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 shot th these rays into the most secure buildings in the world. But yeah. Um, so you can just imagine Antifa being like, all right, motherfucker, let's go. And build <laughs> right. shields. Build cardboard um, shields. Well, and but so the funny thing about this whole story, too, is that. America's not even doing that bad, but they're just having a meltdown because China's beating them in gold medal counts, which has always been the oh, standard that, that unit chart. of measurement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this chart I tweeted out here. This is from uh, a few days ago. So it's probably uh, it's may have shifted a little bit. But yeah. so this was um, gold medals. China, 32. Silver medals, 20. Bronze, 16. United States, 22 gold medals. 27 silver and 19 bronze so again china 32 gold medals united states 22 and then they had a, a totals column where china and the united states were tied at 68 so they just combined all the medals as though they're all the same to so they had to kind of like come up with a participation trophy for america to not feel so bad about list them at the top of this of this of this medal right chart. <laughs> so even though they <laughs> even though they they're in second place for the number of golden medals we've right. won even, even if you assigned like a like a three points to a gold two points to a silver one to a bronze the u.s would still be behind china in the totals count but they just yeah like you said they had to cope by like creating this fucking fake right you know it's just it's preposterous it's, it's so, hilarious it's so, it's so sad so this was a great 
um, just to, to when they say that they, you know, they don't really care about how many they win. Of course they do. This is from the New York Times uh, headline. The Chinese sports machine's single goal, the most gold at any cost. <laughs> and compare that with this headline. Britain's huge investment in Summer Olympics sports pays off. <laughs> Just like completely, <laughs> completely different tone here. So I want to read the the uh, the the full byline here from the New York Times on this China article. Most countries are eager for Olympic glory, but China is so obsessed with winning gold that tens of thousands of children in government-run training schools are pushed from a young age to win at niche sports. In hoping niche niche sports niche yeah niche, whatever I, I, niche I think in the hopes of dominating the top podium spots, uh, and then it continues here. China relies on a system that puts tens of thousands of children government-run training schools. Many of the young athletes are funneled into less prominent, and then it kind of continues on there, cut off there. So, Man, what would that be like if we force kids into obscure sports for their for their uh, superiors' uh, edification? What would that be like? I mean, so I did a Photoshop of this and posted it on our Facebook page uh, just to kind of, you know, like if you if you really want to try to make China sound like some barbaric authoritarian gulag that forces children into doing, you know, horrible things with their bodies. Let me just put this in perspective. So I'm going to read my edit here. Most countries are eager for Olympic glory, but America is so obsessed with starting wars that tens of thousands of children in government-run training schools are pushed from a young age to murder people in hopes of dominating the global petrol market. The U.S. <laughs> death machine's single goal, the most kills at any cost. America relies on a system that puts tens of thousands of children in government-run training schools. Many of the young killers are then funneled into less prominent, and then it cuts off. Hmm. So, yeah, like, the, the thing we're again, accusing China of, is pretty harmless compared to the exact same thing we do, but in order to kill people for right. money. Keeping poverty in place so that people are funneled into the military so we can then send them to go kill other poor people for money is what yeah, the U.S. does. Down the street from where I live, there's a, there's a public school that's a Marine Training Academy. Like Jesus literal Christ. child soldiers. They public walk around school. wearing military fatigues. Yes. Wow. Public school, part of the Chicago school system. I, I saw it. And I was like, why are there teenagers walking around wearing military fatigues? And I, I figured it out. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, we're not even waiting. We're not even waiting until they're out of high school. Like, literal child soldiers that we're paying for. Right, right. Fucking ROTC. That, that's, yeah. I mean, that's that's horrifying. Yeah, you know, again, this this shit, it's never surprising, but it's always funny to point it out because there is just a whole swath of people in this country are so propagandized to this american american exceptionalism uh imperialist idea that we need to win at everything that they don't even bat an eye at stories like that so it it's always important i think for us to highlight stuff like that uh just to at least you know uh bring it up to people but yeah um on that count though uh i think do you have anything else you want to mention well, we, we hadn't even talked about nina Oh fuck yeah yeah let's let's get mention that quick, uh so yeah Nina Turner of course uh and again the reason I think this wasn't like super prominent in my mind is because like would I have liked for her to win sure yeah I like Nina Turner I've had her on the show before year like years ago before you were even on the show I interviewed her uh, she was very nice and very kind with her time and I think she's a good person 
Um, I do pretty much think that she would get in there and do the same shit that everyone in the squad does, which is occasionally good things. And most of the time, uh, go with the flow to keep the job, you know, and keep their career going forward. But, um, at the same time, she was certainly would have been better than her opponent, Chantel Brown, uh, who is fucking garbage, uh, and was you know so she nina was was running away with the selection early on because she has name value she's well liked um and the democratic uh establishment machine came in and made sure to squash that because uh they can't have anyone in there who's remotely you know left of center even if they know they'll fall in line they still don't want to allow that shift to begin to happen and they and and again i think there's a lot of it that was just Hillary doesn't like her. And this was her fucking punishment for uh, supporting Bernie in 2016 uh, was that all of Hillary's uh, buddies that funded her campaign were going to crush Nina's campaign. So she ended up losing. Uh, I think it was like 50 to 44. It was a close race, but you know, it was, she was completely outspent by uh, absurd levels of, well, uh, right wing money. She wasn't just, outspent. She she had more money total. But, or she was outspent in terms of corporate donations. She didn't take corporate. You know, she was actually getting right. like grassroots money. Right. But. Well, she has four hundred thousand Twitter followers, and this person who beat her, Chantel Brown, had I think seventeen thousand Twitter followers. Right. So uh, again, nobody like, you fucking knew who she was. You six don't win ago. an election like that without some massive foreign influence and you know we're, we're talking about a, a congressional seat that's like the city of cleveland right like this is small time this is right. this is not some high profile race but it, you you know the media attention that was put on this this is from the atlantic i won't read a whole thing but they had an article they spent the entire article trying to explain why the outcome of this race isn't significant <laughs> like really it's just it was only getting media attention because there's nothing else politically going on in august this was a, a special election and it, like really wasn't that important of a race and didn't really you know necessarily need all the media attention it was getting and yet the, the establishment wing of the democratic party poured millions and millions of dollars into this to try to stop nina turner right, right. so clearly it was significant to them and you know if you want to know why like they say, follow the money, right? So the, I'm sure you saw the graph I sent you with, uh, it was $2.2 million was donated to uh, Chantel Brown's campaign from the Democratic Majority for Israel. Yes, who um, is, you know, a, a bipartisan, quote unquote, pack whose only uh, focus is just making sure that they put a bunch of Zionists in office uh, and particularly in the Democratic Party, uh, you know, and anyone that's remotely even uh, open to the idea of BDS or open to the idea of Palestinians have human having human rights is as a huge threat and needs to be eliminated immediately. And they pumped. Yeah. Like you said, two point two million. Like they, yep. they outspent like every other like corporate donor combined, oh, I think. Every case. other pack combined wasn't as much money as they spent. This is $2.2 million on a single congressional seat for right. the city a of Cleveland. A little pissant race uh, in, for a House seat. It, it's unbelievable how much so money they spent. I wanted to know who, uh, who, who, is, who is the Democratic majority for Israel. Um, it's mostly one guy. It's mostly <laughs> one guy. 
his name is Mark Melman. He's the president and CEO of the DMFI. Um, so I just want to read a little bit about Mark Melman to give you an idea of um, the kind of politics this guy values. Right. And part of this is his own bio and part of it is snippets of just other things I happen to find about him. And there's nothing really remarkable here, but like, just just take it all in. Just breathe this in. Mark Melman, one of the nation's leading political strategists, is past president of the American Association of Political Consultants and CEO of the Melman Group, a polling and consulting firm whose clients include the leading political figures or should say leading political figures, Fortune 500 companies, and some of the nation's most important public interest groups. So it's like, well, wait, he's a pollster and a consultant? Like, this is how you, you know, what they call manufacturing consent is like, you know, I, I here's the results I want. So here's the poll I create to, you know, generate the public opinion for the policies that I want, right? It, it's completely reverse in, engineered. So Melman has helped guide the campaigns of 30 U.S. senators, a dozen governors, over three dozen members of Congress, and numerous state and elite officials, or I'm sorry, local officials. He lives in Washington, D.C., where he belongs to the Orthodox Synagogue Kesher Israel, in which former Senator Joe Lieberman also prays. <laughs> like, I, Bunch I, of great guys there. Yeah, I mean, public interest loves Joe Lieberman. Melman's clients have included Senators Harry Reid, Maria Cantwell, and Brian Schatz, Governors Tony Evers, Jennifer Granholm, Jim Doyle, and, and Christine Gregory, and members of Congress Jared Golden, Steny Hoyer, Annie Cooster, Ben McAdams, and Seth Holton. His consulting firm's clients have included the uh, pharmaceutical industry giants, health insurers, and Wall Street firms. Melman worked hard to defeat former President Barack Obama's Iran nuclear deal in 2015, despite the consultant's ties to Democratic leaders who overwhelmingly supported the, the accord. The New York Times' Nate Silver uh, cited oh. the, the Melman Group as the most accurate campaign pollster in the country. Yeah, weird how you can accurately predict um, campaign outcomes when you're funneling millions of dollars <laughs> right. into them. How, right. did, how did he predict that so accurately? Weird. Internationally... Melman was chief strategist and pollster for the alternate prime minister Yair Lapid's stunning rise from zero seats in the Israeli parliament to the country's second largest party in just one year. He also helped Cesar Gaviera become president of Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, fascist Colombia. In 1994, Gaviria was elected to the secretary general of the OAS. That's the Organization oh. of American States. The... <laughs> Washington, they keep popping up. Yeah, the Washington-based group that likes to delegitimize left-wing election results and back right-wing coups. It's almost like the the Judaism is like a separate thing, and he just loves fascists in every fucking country. It's it's oh. almost as if he just just hates leftists of all stripes and wants to make sure that it's, they're murdered as many in as many countries as possible. It's all about the Benjamins. So. Just to continue a little bit here, not to rag on him too much, but this is from The Intercept. The largest DMFI PAC donor in January was energy executive Stacy Schusterman, uh, who contributed $995,000. Uh, she's also an a uh, APAC National Council member, according to her Family Foundation website. Lauren Lauder, the wife of Gary Mark Lauder, who gave DMFI PAC half a million dollars, is listed as an APAC Northwest Regional Board member on her foundation site. Uh, and Milton Cooper, an APAC National Real Estate Committee member, contributed $140,000 to DMFI PAC. 
Schusterman and Cooper, for their parts, have mixed records of making political contributions to Republicans as well as Democrats. This is all from an article on Intercept from January. So this is um, during the primary or during the general election, I should say. Uh, uh, last month, well, no, no. So this was from, I'm sorry, January 2020. So that is still during the primary. Last month, the progressive polling firm Data for Progress released a report showing 45% of voters support reducing military aid to Israel based on human rights violations, including 63% of Democratic voters. So this is like, why would, you know, the, like, why would they spend so much money on a piddly shit race in Ohio? This is why. Right. So, quote from Melman, while we think the Democratic Party we know is overwhelmingly pro-Israel, there is no question that we see some trends that are not reassuring, and we want to respond to those trends and staunch problems before they become bigger and more serious, Melman told the Jerusalem Post in July. The overwhelming majority of elected Democrats are pro-Israel, and we intend to keep it that way. There is a small group of outliers who are trying to change that, and we are here to do battle with them. <laughs> so, I mean, he's very upfront. Like, this right. is, we, we won't, I mean, the, the 30. not tolerated. The, the 30 congressmen out of 450 or whatever that are slightly uh, in favor of Palestinian rights, that's, that's already a bridge too far for this guy. Right. Um, so this was, this was just a funny little uh, final part here. Whether the group was able to so, uh, slow Sanders' campaign, because they, they basically started to try to stop burning Iowa. That was right. what you found it before. That's, um, how, that's how you know that they, they, they really love uh, Israel, is that they tried Jews. to stop the first ever yeah. uh, Jewish president from uh, winning wow. the primary. Well, as they would say, he's not a real Democrat and he's not a real Jew. Right. Uh, whether the group is able to slow Sanders' campaign by shying away from Israel and going after electability, however, remains to be seen. Because they were basically saying, like, they can't attack him on you know, Israel directly. They can't call Same, him an anti-Semite without right. sounding like idiots. Right. And, and they didn't even, all of their stuff on Nina, had nothing, they didn't put any mention of Israel in their campaign ads because they know that, it, like, if a lot of voters in Iowa knew that all these ads attacking Nina were from you know this far right Israeli pack, basically foreign interference. Um, they'd be like, "Hey, wait a minute!" You know, so no, they, they attacked her for for not being loyal to Joe Biden, that like not being sufficiently right, a loyal right. Joe Biden supporter. So, well, she did call Biden a half bowl of shit. So, right, right, <laughs> uh, which I would I would argue is is not true. He's overflowing. No, he's a full bowl. He's he's, he's full, a, a bowl and a half, a of heaping shit. bowl. I would say. So. It ends here. The DMFI ad backfired in at least one sense. Despite spending $800,000 to attack Sanders, the Sanders campaign raised $1.3 million in a single day and a donation asked no, that noted the ad buy. That's <laughs> so. great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's just uh, not unexpected, but it, it is just sad to see. Uh, how much uh, money can still buy these fucking seats. And this is, again, why I'm just so I wasn't even that like like I, I wasn't happy about the result, but I also wasn't like, oh, man, I can't. I was like, yeah, that's that's about what I expect. This is why I'm completely mentally and, and physically checked out of electoralism, because it's just a complete fucking dead end. <sighs> Yeah, it, it, well, it's just not the way things are going to change in this country. And, th and then people who, you know, there was like the whole, um, you know, M4, M4A marches, rallies and right. all over the place, which was like literally like just like last weekend, I think. Right? right. And AOC came to to Ohio to do a rally with with Nina and people were like, why won't they come to our thing? It's like they 
had to plan their own campaign event probably months ahead of time. Like you can't fault them for right at the finish line, having their own event. Like, come on, you know? And then there was people that were, you know, like, well, she doesn't support the people's party. It's like, she literally like helped found the people's party. She like went to all of their events. What are you talking yeah. about? And maybe and like then, don't invite anti-vaxxers to speak at your Medicare for all rally and people wouldn't like yeah. be weird to associate with them. Well, and, and I, you know, I'm not and saying they, they have know. they have. I saw this this fucking idiot who has like 60,000 followers saying that, you know, Nina crashed and burned because she turned her back on the left and that cost her votes in. And I'm like, you really think that Cleveland, Ohio is is fucking Berkeley Hotbed for socialism now? And, you know, that she if she moved slightly towards the middle and some of her messaging to run in, you know, a, a, a rust belt city and actually win that, you know, that, that, that cost, like that's just total projection. No, no she only dude. would have done that if she had gotten elected, turn her back on the left. She didn't do that yet. Right. She, she's still, she's still doing it. She's still, you know, saying the right things now. Um, no, I, you know, again, I know, I know I, I'm probably bumming people out with my cynicism, but it's just, again, uh, all evidence uh, points to, what I'm saying to be true. And, and like this idea that somehow if we just elect one more, it's going to change. No, it's fucking not. It's not going to happen. Like they're not going to let it happen. The fucking like throughout history, anytime anyone builds up a popular movement that starts to turn its, uh, it's, it's wave of, of, of humanity towards electoralism, uh, that person gets assassinated. So like that, so, you know, that, that was a lesson to people not to get too radical and not to rock the boat and not to think that you're going to be able to change things in this country. The only way that we've made it possible to change things in this country, you're just going to have to, you know, go out and talk about it and then not do anything. Like that's, that's, that's basically the message that was sent. And I, you know, again, I don't have an answer as to what the fucking solution is, but electoralism has made it very clear that it is completely um infertile ground like it's just not going to happen in this country the way it's currently constituted we'll keep talking about it though because oh yeah no i mean what else are we going to talk about we're all going to fucking you know we're on a rapidly decaying uh planet that's you know uh fucking heading for a climate extinction probably at the end of our lifetime so you know oh my god every every time i see somebody post a picture of like you know the the hazy skies over the mountains of california there's always like a highway full of cars in the foreground it's like i love when people you know, have the the honesty to post a picture of the cause and the effect of climate change in the same image. <laughs> right. You know, like why won't somebody do something about this? Like, okay, do you are you in favor of shutting down that that highway permanently and just no more cars? Like, well, no. Like, well, the, what do you want done? Uh, well, I mean, something. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> like, like literally, like every time I try to talk to people about like what things would have to change. Right. dramatically and drastically they're, they're like well no but the, the hundred corporations they're, they're the ones to blame it's like okay do you realize what those hundred corporations do and Produce. make and, right. and like like literally it's car companies it's fossil fuel companies like they they are you know certainly there is induced demand to try to get everyone driving a car Right. But it's it's like every time I hear a simple thing. Right. But it's, you know, right. Well, right now you have Caltran, California, has plans for expanding, widening all their freeways. You know, every few years you're going to keep widening all their all their highways and freeways. And we know that whenever you provide more space for cars, it just fills up with more cars. Right. 
And we know that when we've torn down freeways, which has happened in many cities, um, 75 or seven, up to 70, 75% of, of that car traffic just evaporates. You have about 30% that'll find an alternate route on surface streets, but the large majority of that, of that traffic that was taking the highway, the freeway, just doesn't take those trips anymore. People find other ways or they just don't, you know, they don't do it. We know that, you know, it's over 50% of all city trips are less than three miles that absolutely don't need to have a car, right? Right. So, yeah, there's lots of ways you can incentivize it, but it's still, as long as there's a highway there, people are going to drive on it. So, yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, you got to talk about climate solutions that are going to make a real impact because the government's not going to do it, people. Yeah. Yeah, well, on that cheery note, um, that pretty much does it for us today. Um, but if you want to support the show, uh, rate and view, subscribe, wherever you listen to us, follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left, facebook.com slash move left idiots. Uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash move left merch available at tinyurl.com slash move left pod. Uh, I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at bike slutty. Yeah. We'll see you next week.